Hello, and welcome to SigmaCast, a series of interviews and discussions with prominent healthcare providers from around the world. My name is Dr. Matt Howard, the Director of Scholarship Resources at Sigma. This SigmaCast is one in a series of discussions we'll be having with nurse researchers from around the world. Within this series, we'll be discussing multiple aspects of individual nursing research and the impact nurse researchers are having on their area of nursing and on society. Today, we'll be speaking with Dr. Bukola Salami. Dr. Salami received the Emerging Nurse Researcher Award in 2018, and she was recently inducted into Sigma's International Nurse Researcher Hall of Fame in July of 2020 at the 31st International Nursing Research Congress. Dr. Salami, is an associate professor and faculty of nursing at the University of Alberta, located in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Salami. Thank you for having me. Can you tell us a bit about your background and what led you to this point in your career? I received my bachelor's of um, science in nursing degree from the University of Windsor. And then I went on, um, I worked at the Hospital for Sick Children in Toronto as a nurse for a few years. And after that, um, I went to get my master's degree from the University of Toronto in master's degree in nursing. And during my master's degree or, you know, at the tail end, I began working as an interprofessional educator, teaching all healthcare professionals at SickKids, immigrant health, um, social determinants of health and cultural safety. And then I completed my PhD at the University of Toronto under the supervision of the then Dean of Nursing at that time, and Professor Siobhan Nelson at the University of Toronto, on the migration of nurses to Canada through the Living Caregiver Program with a focus on Filipino-educated nurses. And after that, um, right after I finished, I went on to start my PhD. I went on to start as an associate professor, assistant professor first, and now associate professor at the University of Alberta. Can you tell us a bit about your research area? My area of research is um, in immigrant health. I am the lead of the Health and Immigration Policies and Practices Research Program at the University of Alberta. And the purpose of the research program is to address the decline in the health of immigrants in Canada and globally. So we know that immigrants tend to arrive in destination country with, with better health status. And their health, and this is known as the healthy immigrant effect. And their health declines after a while in destination countries, especially Canada. So my research is really, really focused on improving immigrants' health. Over the last six years, I've been involved in around 50 funded research projects on immigrant health. And I have been the lead on um, 20 of this project with funding from national and international agencies. I've also published around 60 articles in peer-reviewed journals on the topic. I'm also the founder of the African Child and Youth Migration Network, which is a network of 26 scholars across the globe focused on African child and youth migration. And the network is in the process of publishing a synthesis of all available literature across the globe, over 150 on African child migration. We've also just recently published in the British Medical Association Journal for Global Health on all the literature on internet displaced children um, across the globe. 
We are also in the process of um, collecting data in Canada, Ethiopia, Nigeria, and Ghana on the health of vulnerable migrant children, including those that have been internally displaced. We are just in the ethics approval process for Nigeria and Ghana, and Nigeria and Ethiopia, and the Ghanaian project will be starting soon. A recent project of mine is the creation of the University of Alberta Black Youth Mentorship and Leadership Program, which seeks to socially and economically empower Black youth to contribute meaningfully to the society. We have around 36 Black youth I'm involved in this program, and the discipline focus is quite diverse. And the impetus for this uh, mentorship program is based on some of the work I did earlier when I was an assistant professor on parenting and mental health promotion practices of African immigrants, where we found the need um, to capitalize on the strengths of the community, including strengths of uh, people that have achieved in the community, and also the need for mentorship. In the research, we realized that Black youths often face discrimination within the healthcare setting, within the educational setting, and they also oftentimes do not have mentors. I've also engaged in several projects on immigrant mental health. In one project, we analyzed Statistics Canada database to find out about the influence of diverse social determinants of health on the mental health of immigrants. And no matter how we analyzed our data, the two most important social determinants of health on the mental health of immigrants in Canada was community belonging and income. So the good news is that a lot of this is actually amendable to social intervention, especially the piece about community belonging. When we asked about, you know, what, what are some of the ways in terms of creating community belonging, people talked about creating natural environments. And then what, when I asked about, you know, what kind of natural environment, one of the ones that was frequently talked about that nurses often do is parenting programs. That when you have parenting programs and kids start talking together, parents are forced to start talking together. And then in that way, we start fostering community belonging. And subsequently, I delivered a series of conversation cafes to promote mental health through community belonging and also education. Promote mental health of children by educating parents and also having them to interact with each other. We have also looked at the mental health of Black youth and found that anti-racism and challenges with intergenerational relationship contribute to mental health of Black youth. And there was a presentation I presented at the Sigma Congress, and you know, that was um, in the presentation. I've also done some work on temporary foreign workers, transitioned to several to different status in Canada, and you know, looked at those that have transitioned to undocumented migrant status in Canada. And one of the challenges that we realized is the sole importance or the influence of exploitation that really contributes to people being having to transition and having no choice but to become undocumented in Canada. So my research is really stretched. It's really collaborative, interdisciplinary. I've done work here, I've done work in Africa, and I have also done work with different you know, interdisciplinary team, including from the social sciences. What impact does it have or will it have on society? So it will have several impacts and I'll, I'll just talk on a few. You know, one impact, for example, is the mentorship program. And the mentorship program is based on previous research that I have done. You know, there is the health impact, you know, the health consequences of income, low, lower income. And we've seen it also in the case of COVID-19 that Black populations are, are more likely to have COVID-19 infection. And one of the significant reasons for that is really because they are of the intersecting influences of income. 
So if we're able to actually empower black youth, then in the long run, we're able to have a more LD community in general. So economically and socially empowering black youth um, through, through the mentorship program that I'm creating. So it, it's having a big impact in that sense. We're also in the process of trying to have a global impact in terms of research by creating a global network of scholars I'm interested in African child migration and trying as much as possible to synthesize all the available literature across the globe and see what lessons we can learn from each country in terms of integration of immigrants, especially African immigrants in different countries. So those are some of the impact that uh, my research could have. I mean, it's, it's also had impact in terms of conversation cafes that we delivered a series of about 10 conversation cafes that we delivered to um, no black um, black youths. There was four that we delivered to a hundred black youths, and it was really to address their mental health. We both gathered data, but at the same time, we were able to actually also contribute to improving their mental health. And we've also done conversation cafes also with parents, and in that way, it's also been able to improve the mental health of their children. But I think a lot of the work I do, I do a lot of grassroots work, and I'm well engaged in the community. And I think a lot of the impact is actually from, not just from my research, and my research cannot be looked at in isolation. It's also looking at my community service to the community board in Canada and also globally. So for example, I am on the working group of the Public Health Agency of Canada. And you know I'm contributing to some of the programs across Canada related to Black, black um, populations, the mental health of Black populations in Canada. So um, those are just some of the, the impact. You know, there's a lot that I can continue talking about. Why did you decide to pursue a career in this type of research? So my work in this research started first when I was an undergraduate student. And I remember at the University of Windsor, I remember when I wrote my first paper on the topic, it was a health policy course. And the professor had informed us that we can choose any health policy topic that we are interested in. And based on my background and my parents' background of being an internationally educated professional, um, I decided to write about nurse migration. And from that, um, I continued on with a focus in my master's. You know, I wrote my first paper during my master's on internationally um, educated nurses in Canada. And then during my PhD, I went on to look at um, you know, the experiences of Philippine educated nurses. And my focus at that time was both driven by my experience, but also it was driven by the literature because I saw there was a huge gap in the literature on Philippine educated nurses. And at the same time, I was reading some of the work of Gayatri Spivak on subaltern studies, and she asked, can the subaltern speak? And I thought about who are the most subaltern with the nursing? And at that time, I thought Philippine educated nurses had a huge challenge in terms of the integration. So I focused my doctoral research on that. I came to Edmonton and I became much more involved in the immigrant community in Edmonton. And the more involved I get with an immigrant community, the more likely I am to do research on that because then I see a problem that needs to be addressed and I want to you know, provide the data that will help address, address it. So a lot of the work that I have done is both based on my personal experience, my volunteer experience, my experience as an interprofessional educator at the Hospital for Sick Children, and also the literature and also the theoretical framework that I tend to use, which is both post-colonial theory and also intersectionality perspective. And sometimes I use transnational feminist approach. 
What really gets you excited about nursing research? I think, you know, what gets me excited about nursing research is actually, I mean, when you think about, you know, you're in a role where you can actually provide information that people need to really be able to improve their health outcomes. And also, I mean, one of the things about nursing is that we are not just medical. We also attend to the broader social determinants of health in which people live, in which they grow, in which they work. And I think that's what gets me excited about nursing research because you can also combine it with an interdisciplinary perspective and you can address the needs of really, really marginalized and vulnerable population. I think you know, that's one of the things, especially also when you start seeing some of the impact that some of your research is having on um, some populations. Sometimes I get emails from here and there about you know, people commenting positively about some of the work I do. And I think you know, those are some of the things I am published, I have been engaged in about 50 funded research projects in the past. And I think for me, I'm also very excited in terms of writing grants because it's just this idea about thinking through an idea and knowing that in the future you can actually make a change or create knowledge that can actually address this idea or this societal problem. So those are some of the things that get me excited um, about research. What barriers or obstacles do you feel you face? In this area of research, um, I think, you know, one of the beautiful things about working in this field is that I'm an immigrant myself. So my positionality is often helpful in terms of being able to do the research because I am not just researching from a, you know, outsider perspective. A lot of times I'm also researching something that has happened to me before in the past. So such as, you know, for example, the mentorship program that I'm doing now, I was also a student of a mentorship program at the University of Toronto 20 years ago. So that is one of the motivations. And, you know, when you think back and think, oh, you know, this program was delivered, it helped me, but it's not been tested. Well, maybe it's time for me to test it now. So there's the personal motivation. Some of the obstacles that I face is in terms of extending it internationally to the international scene. And, you know, some of the challenges I face is just the same as any other um, challenges. So, for example, there are differences in framing issues internationally. Um, what is considered Black in Canada, maybe not considered Black in Australia or the Australian or New Zealand definition of black may also include indigenous population. You know, what is considered colored in Canada is different from what is considered colored, for example, in South Africa. And what is considered first generation immigrants in um, Canada, in a lot of literature in the US, what's considered first generation in many of the literature in Canada is different from what's considered first generation. So sometimes when you're trying to tease out the literature and determine you know, uh, you know, which generation are they really referring to, then um, that creates a challenge. And also ethics requirement and um, framing of issues are different. There's also, you know, the challenges that people face generally in terms of, you know, time differences. But, you know, those are challenges that any researcher that wants to do work internationally face. So, I mean, my other challenges, I do a lot of work with social scientists and a lot of social science journals have uh, impact factors that are less than nursing journals. So that's another challenge is, um, in terms of citation of work um, in this field. And I believe um, you know, the immigrant health journal, we have a few journals that are focused on immigrant health, but at th this time, I don't think any of them have an impact factor more than three um, in terms of those that are solely focused on immigrant health. So those are some of the small little 
but I don't see in terms of this field any major challenge. I mean, one thing, when I did my work on Philippine educated nurses, I'm not a, from the Philippines, a question that I got asked was, um, why are you interested in us? And it became a paragraph in my doctoral work of why are you interested in us? And I think it really begs the need to, you know, to address the issue about positionality and be reflexive in the work that we do. Because you know, when you're not from a specific community and you're going to the committee, you really need to reflect on your position. And now your position actually affects the research process and also the people you're interviewing and also what people are willing to disclose to you in terms of the research. Honestly, with this area of research, I see a lot of benefits than challenges. What are your recommendations to those who are interested in your field of study? I would say the main recommendation is pursue what you're passionate about. Especially if you're a master's student, a PhD student, you have a lot of lonely nights where you're working through this and struggling through this. And really what's going to push you is really your passion. And you know this is the most important influence. Also, take at least a course, you know, an interdisciplinary course. You know, to kind of broaden your idea, broaden your perspective, and also engage in Sigma. So I was the membership involvement coordinator for um, the Toronto chapter of Sigma Theta Tau, and it allowed me to be able to develop some of my leadership skills. And you need leadership skills in terms of research and advancing yourself in the research skill. And I, I think, you know, one of those th things that I learned as, you know, membership involvement coordinator is was is useful for some of the work that I'm doing now, leading and, and creating an international network. And I would say also broadening your international focus perspect and perspective by attending conferences and socializing with people who may be different from you, especially. This is especially important if you're planning to go into migration studies, is really it's, it's really going outside your comfort zone and getting to know the other and getting to know people that may not have the same social background as you, the same immigration status, racial status, or even the same gender as you are, and you know, trying to really explore further. If you could go back in time, say five to 10 years, in regard to your area of research, what would you tell your younger self? What advice would you give or wish you would have had? I am trying to think very hard about the advice that I would have had at that time. I think, you know, probably the advice that I would have is follow your passion, you know, follow your passion. And I think I followed my passion too. And I think it's what got me to this stage. And I think that's the same advice that I would give to myself. As doctoral students, sometimes also, it seems like, you know, why are you doing this? And, you know, sometimes people feel like it's a lonely journey, doctoral students and master's students. And I would say, you know, get yourself engaged within the community, the, the research community that you, that you want to be involved in. And, you know, one of the ways that you can get yourself engaged, for example, is through connecting with um, Sigma Theta Tau, um, you know, conferences and workshops and getting to meet people, you know, attending workshops and conferences that are, you know, related to your area of research and getting to meet new people and expanding your network. I think as nurses, we realize also that we have a lot of knowledge that we are yet to share and we are yet to both discover and share. And I would never choose this over any other career looking back. And I think you should continue on and pursue. And there are so many things that you can achieve in nursing as a nurse researcher. You spoke a little about this, 
but can you tell us how you built an interdisciplinary research team? It's been very interesting. I think I was counting how many countries I've, I've collaborated with as lead, and I have about 30 countries on my list. And as you know, interprofessional, I've, I've had quite a lot. And one of the things is, as an assistant professor in most universities, when you first start your university career, a lot of times you get course release. You need to make good use of that course release in your first semester. And one of the things you need to do is meet with new people. And there's never any harm of sending an email out of the blue. I am a new assistant professor. You'd be amazed how much saying that you're new can actually get you. <laughs> get you. Um, and you know, I, I you know, just looked at those that we are doing research on migration, on anything related to migration, and emailed them and asked, you know, can I meet with you to discuss, to t let you know about myself and also discuss how we can collaborate in the future. And, you know, the worst that you can get is no, no, or you can get a, you know, no response. So, so I've emailed people. And the other thing I've also tried to do also is I have also brought people into my work as I develop my research program. So for example, oftentimes I may need a statistician, you know, public health, you know, they're a strong epidemiologist in public health or a biostatistician. Um, I may need someone on intersectionality theory to inform my intersectionality piece. I may need a gender expert. And really thinking about your research from an interprofessional perspective and how can you translate that research into useful knowledge. And sometimes you need different members of interdisciplinary team to help in terms of broadening that perspective. Thank you to our guest, Dr. Salami, for generously sharing your time and your expertise with us today. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And to our listeners, as always, if you have any questions, please visit our website at www.sigmanursing.org forward slash education. Thank you for listening. At Sigma, we know that you look up to other nurses for their research and their leadership. Nominate one of your nurse heroes today for a Sigma award that recognizes their achievements and contributions. Learn more at sigmanursing.org slash awards.